It's 12.01, The Witching Hour. You're listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my bloody fanged co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Today is December 28th, 2020. This is the 197th edition of the Late Night Fright, the show that recoils from decaf the way a vampire hisses at a crucifix. We would like to welcome all of you from wherever it is you call home, including all spooks, specters, astral beings, and interdimensional travelers that may be tuning in or joining us here in the studio. We are so glad all of you have chosen to join us. Faith, we're excited tonight, aren't we? Yes, we are. What has us in such a good mood? We're a few days away from getting out of the hostage situation known as 2020. But more importantly, we are continuing our month-long celebration of the films of Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. We started this month in fine fashion with a solo adventure for Peter Cushing. We saw him as Van Helsing in 1960's The Brides of Dracula from the Hammer House of Horror. We're finishing the month off with a Christopher Lee solo film, another offering from Hammer to the Horror Gods. What is the first film of our double feature tonight, Faith? First up is Dracula Has Risen from the Grave from 1968. Hopefully all of you out there can figure out what the movie is about from the title. I love not having to think too hard. What about you? I love it too. We compared The Brides of Dracula to a universal film, Dracula's Daughter. So we thought it only fitting to end the way we started by comparing tonight's Hammer film with another universal vampire film. What else is on tap tonight, Faith? From 1943, we have Lon Chaney Jr. in the Southern Gothic film, Son of Dracula. Two classic horror stars, two late night frights. We have a full pot of fresh coffee, and 2020 is soon to be in the history books. Faith, I would say we're doing something right. I would say that myself. We're going to take a short pause for a coffee cause. Stay tuned for a word from our sponsors. I am Dan. And I am Faith. You're listening to The Late Night Fright. We are so glad you're here. Gwynny Goop Lady Lawyer is Cozy Corner's only lady lawyer. I'm a lady and I'm a lawyer. Don't be fooled by her pantsuits. This chick has balls. Big ones, swinging past my knees. How big are they? I'll sue the pants off of anyone. And when their pants are off, I'll sue their flabby ass for indecent exposure. That's the Gwynny guarantee. No case is too big. No case is too small. Gwynny Goop, Lady Lawyer, a proud underwriter of the Late Night Fright. Season's greetings and Happy New Year from WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. 
2021 is soon upon us, and we'd like to remind all of our listeners not to look 2021 directly in the eye. We don't want to scare it off. Also, the Society of Dark Wizards of Cozy Corner would like to remind all spellcasters to refrain from casting any spells against 2020 until we are fully out of the year. There's nothing more dangerous than a trapped, wounded animal. Have a safe and happy new year. Now back to the Late Night Fright with your hosts, Dan and Faith. against him is futile. To know him is eternal damnation. Dracula has risen from the grave. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Let's get right into it. Faith, what is our first film tonight? Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. From the Hammer House of Horror. This was directed by Freddie Francis. Freddie Francis was a cinematographer with the company. He took the director's chair when Terrence Fisher proved unavailable. This stars the one and only Christopher Lee as Count Dracula. He leads a pretty good cast featuring Veronica Carlson, Barry Andrews, Rupert Davies, Ewan Hooper, Barbara Ewing is also in this film. She gives a very good performance. We're going to talk about the cast in a moment, but let's get right into it. What did you think of 1968's 
Dracula has risen from the grave. I would give a short plot synopsis, but I think it's all right there in the title. (laughs) I highly, highly enjoyed this movie. Um, It's probably one of my favorites we've watched so far, and I feel like I keep saying that every week. But it was just so good. Everything about it, from the cast to the story to the look of it, Lee, I loved it. Let's give a very short synopsis. This is Christopher Lee's third appearance as Count Dracula. His first was in The Horror of Dracula from 1958. He would reprise the role in 1966's, 1966's, that's that's a lot to get (laughs) off the tongue, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, 1968. This film is released. Now, there was a direct sequel to The Horror of Dracula that did not feature him. And as we said, that is the film we did at the start of the month, 1960s, Brides of Dracula, which features Peter Cushing's Van Helsing character. Peter Cushing would return to the series in 1972 with Dracula, A.D. 1972. So really, it is Christopher Lee's franchise now. I picked this one because this might be my favorite Mm -hmm. of the bunch for a lot of different reasons so i love this movie everything you love about hammer horror is in this film the gothic look of it so what's happening here dracula uh he fell to an icy tomb he's (laughs) he's entombed in ice the monsignor goes up to the castle to exercise it he puts the big gold cross on the doors ah but something happens and dracula comes back to life he uh puts the priest played by Ewan Hooper under his command. He's kind of filling the Rinfield role, mm-hmm. the the uh, disciple of the Dark Lord. And then they go off on their adventure because Dracula wants revenge on this Monsignor for locking him out of his house. So, <laughs> you know, have a little courtesy. <laughs> you know. that's, that's the long and short of it. And, and it plays out a lot like the Dracula story we're used to. He's seducing... The young woman and then you have the young hero who has to face him and you have the uh, Monsignor character who kind of fills in for the Van Helsing uh, role. He's played by Rupert Davies here and that's pretty much nuts and bolts of it. So what did you think of the the general story here? I really like the general story. I feel like, I don't know, there wasn't, what's the word I'm looking for? There wasn't a lot of uh, unnecessary there's not a lot of fat, fat. Here. there you it, go it, 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 it tells a story and it it follows through and it does its thing uh-huh. and it it gets in and then it gets out and it's about an 80 yep. some odd minute movie not a lot of fat on it Mm-mm. i think the first 20 minutes of this film are absolutely fantastic the first 20 minutes shows the monsignor coming into town and then they go up to the castle and he's resurrected within those first 20 minutes mm-hmm. and from the beginning, when you have the young boy going into the belfry and there's the body hanging in the belfry and the blood leaking from the ceiling and then going up to Dracula's castle and you get the first shot of Lee and all mm-hmm. of his glory. A lot of magic in this movie. Um, what I really like about this movie and what I recommend most about it is it's about something. And what I like about it is you don't have just virtuous characters on one side. You have the character of Paul played by Barry Andrews, who I think is a really good performance. He's a young student who ends up having to do battle with the count over Maria, his beloved, but he's an atheist and I love the way they treat his character. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that they treat the Monsignor's character in this played by Rupert Davies. As I said, neither one of them comes off as a bad guy. Neither one of them comes off as completely right. There's right. there's a happy middle between them. And I feel like they really did a great job with a bigger kind of theological idea. Yeah. They didn't beat you over the head with it. They didn't dwell on it. 
it's part of the story that he's an atheist and he mm-hmm. does find some semblance of faith at the end, but I don't feel that they sell out his character. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm siding with him as an atheist. What I'm saying is he's very intelligent, he's likable, and he's smart. And he just happens to be an atheist. Yeah, that doesn't take away from who he is. You know, you don't dislike him because of that. Yeah, it's reason. a very interesting character facet in a film like this. And I feel like uh-huh. the film is really trying to be about something mm-hmm. bigger. I think so, too. You know, Because at the end, when he when he kind of regains faith, I think out loud, I was even like, oh, wow. Like, Yeah, and it's, it's, and it's cool. a very simple yeah. regaining. He makes a sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. That could mean anything. Right. That could mean a whole lot of things. Right. So very well done. I think very well done on that end. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Barry Andrews as Paul, I think is a really great performance I in agree. this. Um, it could be a performance that uh, could be very kind of hackneyed in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but he's, he's very present in this and very he's grounded, grounded and likable. Yeah. Very real. And you're pulling for him. Yeah. Not so much to not be an atheist, but to, to, <laughs> to figure this out and to win right. in the end. Exactly. So uh, very good. The cast here is very good. Mm-hmm. I think everyone gets, gets high marks, but let's talk about the real star of this movie. Has there ever been an actor in the history of movies who has as much raw screen presence as Christopher Lee, because he is a man who can stand there not moving <laughs> and command the entire screen. And if you put him in a cloak or a cape, he has even more screen presence, natural and raw charisma just oozed out of this guy. I know. He is one of our great horror stars of all time. What did you think of Christopher Lee playing Dracula? Now the second time we've seen him mm-hmm. play Dracula uh, here on the Late Night Fright. What did you think of his performance? I loved him so much that I actually came to the conclusion that he is my favorite Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Like, it. I mean, I've loved him, obviously, seeing him as Dracula, but you have a soft spot for, you know, Lugosi because it's just that era. But watching him in this, it really is like, OK, yeah, he he wins. Just it, you see the uh, I, I compared the Hammer films to the Marvel comics because the Marvel comics were coming along and kind of redefining what DC was doing back mm-hmm. in the 30s, late 30s, early 40s. Kind of the same way that Hammer was redefining what Universal did in the late 30s and early 40s. And. I think you could make the comparison that Lee is kind of like uh, literally the full colored version, you know, mm-hmm. kind of revolutionary because he's physical and he's sexual and he's a physical danger and he's a yeah. mental danger. He's a he's a threat on so many levels. And yet there's something that's absolutely so alluring about <laughs> him in this role that I, I, I can't define what it is. And I think he had that undefinable it mm-hmm. that that they talk about you know the, oh he did the thing the thing mm-hmm. you know and uh it's a it's a real treat watching him in this movie now he's not in it incredibly much we say that a lot on the show about right certain great people. villains <laughs> great villains great villains and i don't have a screen time count on him but uh i would say he's maybe in this 30 minutes mm-hmm. if that if even, he yeah. doesn't talk much either Mm-mm. when he does it is very disturbing and distressing because he had that wonderful voice what i like about him is he doesn't put anything on this he Mm-mm. he just stands there I know. he just stands there with that look that look that he has and what was really unnerving is because he has it so together throughout the movie and he's very christopher lee in that respect <laughs> at the end when he gets angry it's it's very disturbing because he he did get me a little bit when i went ah that's 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 creepy <laughs> right <laughs> that's creepy when he gets 
when he gets a little bellicose. Yep. So we uh, we have said that he is one of our top five horror stars of all time. What is it about Christopher Lee, though? Because we've seen him in a variety of things now this month on the show, and, and we've seen him in a variety of things outside of the show. Mm-hmm. What is it about Chris Lee? That's a great question. I mean, I feel like it kind of comes back to just his presence. I mean, most of these movies you've watched with him so far, he hasn't really even said two words. <laughs> and he steals, the, he steals the screen, you know? It's, yeah, he does. It's amazing. He fills a frame unlike anybody I've ever seen. I've, yes. I've said it about, uh, if you want to go horror, horror stars, I, I think the one that has filled the screen the most for me is England in the first Elm Street movie because he doesn't really say much there and you see him in mm-hmm. silhouette and it's scary. And kind of the same thing here mm-hmm. with Christopher Lee. Karloff, yeah, you have the silhouette thing going on and he, I don't, and he's magnetic. I mean, Karloff had his thing, but not like this. No. Not like where it's like, oh, geez, here he is, you know. And you can show him and you hear three notes, dun, 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 you know, and it's like, <laughs> right. oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we go. And he does so much with looks and physicality and, yeah. and, and it's the whole package. And I think he's amazing. I'm going to ask a question that I ask a lot on this show. It's another repeat. We've talked about his biography before on this show. We've talked about his wonderful, loving friendship with his friend Peter Cushing and how tremendously special and affectionate that was and sweet and and unique. And yet here he is playing the Prince of Darkness (laughs) and completely selling it. And at no point do I watch this movie and I go, that's a really nice man. (laughs) Right. You know, that's a really nice man. Look how sweet he is. What is it? What? and, And I don't. I really don't know. Think you have an answer. I, I, I don't really know if anybody don't. out there has an answer, but there's something so cathartic about watching these people, these nice men, and you know he's a nice I man. Know. We've talked about it on the show. Sleeping in the same bed with Cushing because of night terrors, that's not something you do for just anybody. Right. And seeing him embody this pure elemental evil, because Dracula is elemental. I know. You know. So there you go. There you go. I don't know. I really don't know. I'd either. like to know. Maybe there's someone out there in the acting world who might have a handle yeah. on that. But I think it is a combination of uh, just talent. You know, he's so talented. But yeah, I uh, mean, letting out that that maybe pent up aggression. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's, that's held what in, I was thinking in check. So I don't know. How angry can you be? <laughs> I want to bring up a, a thing about the Dracula character. I don't know that we talked about this on any of our Dracula episodes, but I think it's something that needs to be talked about and addressed because it's going to play into the next film. And I want to talk about kind of going back to the Bram Stoker novel, what Dracula represents. And do you have a thought on what he represents? I mean, not off the top of my head. Uh, he really represents the other the the yeah. uh physically embodying the foreigner because mm-hmm. he is a foreigner true he's a stranger from a strange yeah. land he's a tall dark stranger mm-hmm. from a strange land here come i'm trying to be very uh what's the word i'm looking for uh try not to ruffle any feathers here you know i'm trying mm-hmm. to trying to keep this between the lines i don't want to upset anybody and it's not the, not, not the point here but He's the tall, dark stranger from a strange land coming to your land, and he's going to have his way with your women. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's not just your women that he's going to have his way with. He's going to have his way with your way of life. Mm-hmm. He's, gonna, he's 
he's an outsider. He's a foreign influence that doesn't need to be there. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. There you go. Mm -hmm. So make of that Mm -hmm. what you will. It's there in the book. It's there in in the iterations of Dracula. He's an outsider. And think about the Chris Lee Dracula we've seen up to this point. Yeah. And Brides of Dracula, what you're seeing with the vampire. He's a it's a it's a threat. It's exactly, some kind yeah. of threat. Right. In the novel, it is the foreigner. Mm-hmm. But it can be anything you want it to be. Anne Rice has made a career out of <laughs> out of assigning <laughs> sexual threat to the vampire. So but I want you to keep you all out there to keep that in mind when we talk about the son of Dracula, because I want to get into the Cheney performance in Dracula. What do you think of Lee's performance as kind of the other, you know, that kind of threat figure? I mean, I obviously think he is a threat. I mean, when I compare the two, I don't feel like he's as other as Lon Chaney Jr. is. Yeah, and I want to I get yeah. into that. I don't, yeah, like putting the two side by side. I definitely want to get into that. Yeah, and, and that's, that's I want to save that more for Son of Dracula. But I wanted to plant that idea yeah. here before we take the mm-hmm. break. Um, let's do this for, because we can. Uh, he's your favorite Dracula. Yes. What is it? I, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you learn to just love it. You it's, do, it, like. It just everything about him, just the way he he looks, his eyes, the way he stands, he again presence. That is what he. That's it. That's him. He has so much presence, and you just want to see more of him on the screen because it's so amazing to see. And I'm not even thinking about Lugosi when I'm watching him. Mm-mm. He's his own thing. I know. He's his own thing. I think it's his. It's his how tall he is, and just the way he stands, the way he stares. It's just it's yeah. creepy. It re- it really is. It's fitting, and I, I think it's just, it's it's amazing. It really is. Um, we have to talk about this. There's like two death scenes for him in this movie, <laughs> which I think both of them are just fantastic. He gets he gets gored through with a stake, <laughs> and they don't pray, so it doesn't kill him. Seeing him gored through, and then he wakes up, he gets out of that coffin, and he's <laughs> pissed. Know. Oh, he's pissed. <laughs> and then the end, when the big cross that we just talked about, if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about, so spoiler He's risen from the grave, but he's going to die again so he can come back in the next film. Um, the cross falls, you know, and it, it sticks in the ground and then he falls on it and he's just writhing away on this thing. Let me see if I if I have this uh, in these notes. It's not in these notes that I have, uh, but I believe it's on the Internet Movie Database in the trivia section. They uh, Hammer won an award from the from the British film industry and they had people. Uh, dignitaries come to give them this award on the set of this. And he was on this cross contraption, like flailing about dying. And one of the gentlemen was there, looked at one of the other gentlemen and says, that man there is a member of my club. And <laughs> as he's sitting there covered in blood, just flailing away on this oh, crucifix. It made me laugh when I read that. And I'm sure he got a real kick out of it. But uh, what do you think about the death scene though? Oh my God. It's, I love it. <laughs> I was I was sitting there going, "Oh, this is awesome! I know. Look how awesome this is!" <laughs> I know they did a great job. This was uh, pretty critically derided when it came out, but interestingly enough, this became Hammer's most successful film. Really, up to that point, financially, yes. I, mean, I can see why. Yes, and it still holds an eighty percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like at eighty-one mm-hmm. percent. I think it's like maybe the second highest rated 
uh, Hammer Dracula film after Horror of Dracula. I, I like this movie a lot. I don't know what it is. I think it's the spiritual mm-hmm. ideas going on. I think mm-hmm. it's the story. It's, it is the Dracula story retold, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really good. I like the character of the Monsignor a lot. I love the whole cast. The Van Helsing stand in. And I have to let me tell you how good I think this cast is. I didn't miss Peter Cushing in this. I wasn't waiting for Cushing to show up. That's a very good point. Which the lead guy, Paul, he was really good. Like, I mean, he was great. He, he wasn't, you know, I wasn't hope like you said, wasn't hoping for anybody else or Peter Cushing to show up at all because I think he he really held it together and. I liked him a lot. And I would like to say Barbara Ewing, who plays Xena, who might be my favorite performance in the movie. I really liked her performance. I liked her performance because I liked how sweet she was. And then Mm -hmm. I liked when she becomes evil. (laughs) Puts a bag over. What's her name? Um, Maria. Maria. Yes. Um, She is an award winning writer. She has won many awards. And I actually um, I watched this recently before for this. And actually, uh, she has a website. I emailed her. And I told her I was, it was around Halloween. I was watching nice. this and I said, happy Halloween. I'm watching this movie you're in and you were really great. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for this you know, wonderful experience. She actually emailed me back and that's said, said cool. thank you very much and very happy cool. Halloween. It was very short and <laughs> that's fine. But uh, yeah, she, she emailed me back. Very nice. Which was very cool. Um, but uh, she was my favorite kind of peripheral mm-hmm. performance. I like, and you could tell that she liked Paul uh-huh. and then also though that she wasn't, you know, a complete tramp. And right. And, you know. Right. Uh, I like the little game they play with the beer glass yes. up, up on the uh, with the broomstick up on the ceiling. And my question I had when I was watching this was, how did they get it up there in the first place? Right, I was thinking that too. <laughs> how did they get it up there? No, I really like the look of everything, the set and stuff, and like her walking on like the rooftops and stuff. It Wasn't really, that it really reminded me of a Tim Burton movie. I was gonna say <laughs> that, I, and I know the scene exactly the scene you're talking mm-hmm. about because it was at that moment watching and I went, Oh, that looks like Burton. It looked like a uh, Sweeney Todd. Yes. And then she gets out on the roof and you see the fog mm-hmm. and stuff. And it felt like Batman. Yep. Batman. That's what I was thinking of. And he's got those, those German angles, yep. as we like to say here on the show, the German expressionism mm-hmm. is coming through that real classic hammer look right. to it. I really enjoyed this. Film. I don't know what it is about this one that just really. Oh, I, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, I mean, I think it was just all of it. The cast, Lee, yeah. the look, yeah. the story. It was just really... And spoiler alert, he's going to come back again. He <laughs> comes he back is. and tastes the blood of Dracula. <laughs> but guess what? They get rid of him at the end of that one. Guess what? He comes, he comes back. back in the scars of Dracula. And then guess what? Guess what? They he comes him. back in Dracula AD 1972. <laughs> of course. He brings Peter Cushing along with him on that one. Michael Myers? Jason? <laughs> no, Christopher Lee's Dracula. That's <laughs> You have anything you'd like to add about this this movie? I think that's all. What about you? That's it. It's this is a really fine addition to the mm-hmm. Hammer Dracula franchise. Um, we didn't do Prince of Darkness. We, we'll do that at a later date. Uh, really, I picked this one because I like this one so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, good pick, like my first time watch. So. And let me ask you because this does skip a film. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel like you lost anything? No. I did, yeah, you can just go into this. And, I mean, it starts off basically. Here's you know, you get the kind of gist of what happened, and it's like, yeah. okay, you can follow yeah. through. It's, it's yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and they tell you what it's about in the title. You don't have to think about right. it. Uh, before we go, I want to add one thing. Uh, the poster for this was a woman's neck. The theatrical poster mm-hmm. it was a woman's neck with two band aids. You know, like the bite marks. Mm-hmm. It was black and white, and the band aids were like in pink, and it said. The film title was under Dracula has risen from the grave. And then in parentheses after it said, obviously. <laughs> so they had a sense of humor. Yeah. About, 
I love about it. This. That's so. awesome. All right. Well, we are going to take a very short break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about a universal film from 1943. Kind of an interesting film, I'd say. I would say so. Very interesting film on Universal Canon, Son of Dracula, starring Lon Chaney Jr. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We will see you on the other side. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, located on Sacred Burial Road next to King Palace Drive-In Theater, is your one-stop shop for all of your juju needs. Amulets, talismans, and enchanting enchantments await you at Madame Hill's Juju Emporium. Madame Hill's Juju for you. Faith. Godzilla really did a number on Cozy Corner last month. I wish there was some way to know when the big monsters are headed our way. Host of the Late Night Fright, never again will you have to fear the Kaiju. Kaiju? Gazuntite. Ha ha. I kid. Join me, Yoshi Yokohama, for the Kaiju Report, right here on this fine American radio station. I'll keep you up to date on all Kaiju activity. Do you know what to do in the event of a Kaiju attack? I usually look right into the camera and scream, Godzilla, before running for my life. Ha ha ha, my American friend. Very funny. Never again will you have to do that. The Kaiju Report will give you all the information you need to survive attacks from all our Kaiju friends. The Kaiju Report, only on this fine American radio station. Ha 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 ha. can assume very many different forms at will. Sometimes it appears as a bat, and sometimes as a small cloud of swirling vapor. In this way, it can move unseen among its enemies. Son of Dracula, searing the screen with new terror in this weird tale of the living dead who rise from the grave at night to prey on unsuspecting victims. With Louise Albritton, Robert Page, Evelyn Ankers, Frank Craven, J. Edward Bromberg, and Lon Chaney as the new Count Dracula, you'll shudder at the screen's most fascinating woman vampire, luring men with cold beauty and the promise of immortality. Count Alucard is immortal. Through him, I attained immortality. Through me, you will do the same.
Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We're getting ready to take a trip down to New Orleans mm-hmm. for our next film. Faith, what is our next film? Son of Dracula. From 1943, this was directed by Robert Siedmack. If that last name sounds familiar, that's because he is the brother of Kurt Siedmack, who wrote this film. He also wrote a film called The Wolfman from 1941, another universal classic mm-hmm. starring Lon Chaney Jr. I would say this one is not as classic as that. We're going to get into it. So at, a, um, at the New Orleans plantation owned by Colonel Caldwell, Count Alucard is paying a visit. Count Alucard is, well, it's Dracula. that's Dracula backwards. <laughs> they used that bit in the Monster Squad from 1987. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Count remember. Alucard called looking for that book. <laughs> I remember. This film was released on November 5th, 1943. So the action takes place at Dark Oaks. The cast includes Louise Albritton as Catherine Caldwell, Robert Page as Frank Stanley, Evelyn Anchors as Claire Caldwell, Frank Craven. It's a great horror name, isn't it? It's a great Frank name. Craven as Dr. Harry Brucer and J. Edward Bromberg as Professor Laszlo. Dr. Brucer and Professor Laszlo kind of fill in as our Van Helsing characters here Catherine Caldwell played by Louise Albritton has fallen under the spell of Count Alucard and he has come in and he wreaks all kinds of havoc you could say that he's playing the role of the other here Mm -hmm. isn't he so that is the basic kind of synopsis here he shows up somebody figures out who he is they do battle he dies so (laughs) there you go what did you think of 1943's son of Dracula I liked it but it was not my favorite for some reason. I don't know. What about what did you think about it? Not my favorite either. It had right. been a while since I'd seen it, and I remembered liking it better in the past than I did this <laughs> go around. Uh, fun historical fact, first time we see him turn into a uh, bat. I did like seeing on that. On screen. One of the things I really liked about this movie is was the transformations of Dracula. You had yes. him as mist. You had him mist, as a yeah. bat. Um you saw him float. He mm-hmm. kind of he kind of flew a little bit, kind of foreshadowing uh, some of the stuff they would do in 1979's Frank Langella Dracula film, which is a really fine film, and we're going to get to that at some point on the show. But um, it, I remembered liking this a lot better the first time. The first time, yeah, first couple of times. Do you know why? I think it's Lon Chaney is the problem here, and it seems to be where the consensus of critics yeah. point the blame so let's talk let's let's leave him mm-hmm. to the side for a second let's talk about the story what do you think of the story here i really think it's cool i like the whole southern gothic element of it i like where it's located i like that this person's coming over it's kind of mysterious i do like that i just think it's, love that let me love it let me interrupt you right there first my first problem with this film they tip their hand way too damn early with the Alucard thing. Mm-hmm. In the first two minutes of this film, <laughs> right. Dr. Brewster has figured it out because mm-hmm. he sees it on the guy's luggage mm-hmm. and he goes, D-R-A-C, and you see it. Uh, You're yeah, looking at it, and I'm going, man, and the other, actually, I'm sorry, let me back up. It was spoiled in the credits. They have Anna Lon Chaney as Count Dracula. No, don't spoil it. They, they spoiled Wait. it very early. So that's my first kind of problem with mm-hmm. it, but I'm willing to forego it because I do enjoy the story. Um, I like the soap opera aspect of this, of him coming in and inserting in their lives. And, and right. in some ways, it's the young and the restless. Yeah, you know? pretty much. So I agree with you 100 percent. The southern gothic aspect of this, I think, is the strongest thing going. Yeah. And this is something we hadn't seen 
exactly in, in the universal. And that's why it was. That's canon. why it is really cool because it's a first. And and I oh, excuse me, I really wish it just did something more. I feel of, like it was a lot just, of promise. A lot of promise just, here that just, it was lacking something for me. I like uh, I like that it's a a female that's under his power in mm-hmm. this as opposed to usually it's a male mm-hmm. figure that's under his power. He is seducing the female, mm-hmm. you know, as we, right. we saw in Dracula's right. risen from the grave. He seduced trying to seduce two of them in that film. Mm-hmm. He's gotten her already in this film and, you know, and she's kind of falling into that Renfield territory. And I like the way that works. There's so much promise and potential here. And I just feel like it doesn't, that's not Lon Chaney's fault. That's that's the script and the way this is oh, put right. together. Oh right, yeah. So yeah, but I do I do enjoy aspects of this, and I'm looking at this. And I'm going, this is two steps from being absolutely brilliant. brilliant. It looks beautiful in the HD. The black and whites really pop in this. It's got uh, you know that early '40s Universal look as we've seen in a few films now, and um, it's amazing the jumps they had made from '31's Dracula. Oh yeah, yeah, up here now you've got him transforming into the bat and the mist and all. Yeah, those that was my favorite part were all the transformations. My favorite shot in this is when uh, Cheney comes up out of the swamp and you see him and he's he's floating towards you. I thought that was great. All right, let's talk about Cheney. Cheney seems to be the problem a lot of people have with this film. I don't have a problem with Cheney per se as much because I'm a fan of his, obviously. Mm I mentioned last week he played the mummy. He played Karis the mummy. He played Dracula in this film. He played the Frankenstein monster in uh, Ghost of Frankenstein. And, of course, he played the Wolfman. Wolf so uh, he didn't play the Invisible Man. And the Invisible Man sometimes gets counted, sometimes doesn't. So it just depends. But he played the majority of the monsters. Mm-hmm. Probably his least performance as, <laughs> you know, as one of the monsters here. According to a lot of people... I, I read that going in. I was like, no, they're so wrong. And I was like, mm. so my problem with Cheney's performance is Cheney's doing Cheney mm-hmm. in this movie. He's doing it, it. I see him and I'm thinking of Lawrence Talbot from The Wolfman. And right. I know he's I know he was a good actor. And he took he wasn't just phoning this in. Right. I know that uh, from things I've read about him and uh, hearing things from directors who, who got to work with him. He took it very seriously. Uh, he was also a raging alcoholic. I don't know if he was during this period of his life, so I don't know if that was going into it. But it's just Lon Chaney. There's n- he sounds like what, an American. Do you know what's lacking for me from him? The mystery. There's no threat. Yeah, <laughs> like you watch Lee. Even you know Lugosi seems kind of uh, moments, but I feel like there's just nothing here that's like, oh wow, that's Dracula and he's yeah. creeping me out. I I, I miss that. So that's what got me thinking about when I was watching this film, which I watched after I'd watched Dracula's Risen from the Grave. It got me thinking about what we talked about before we took a break. The other. Mm -hmm. And my gosh, if there's ever an opportunity to portray him as the other, here it is. You're in the deep south on a plantation, Mm -hmm. the southern gothic thing, and you can have this character come in Mm -hmm. who is the other, this foreign character come in. Right. Foreign in more ways than one here. Mm -hmm. It's European. He's also a creature of the night, you know, <laughs> right? uh, so much going on here. And he shows up and he sounds like Lon Chaney. Yep. He sounds like a Midwesterner, you know. <laughs> I know. And that was just killing me watching this. I'm like, man, this is, it wouldn't have fixed the script narrative problems. Mm-mm. But it would have been something maybe where you could look over some exactly. of those problems. Yeah, it just, it was just lacking some things for me. Like I said, I didn't hate it completely. 
because there are things that you know i do enjoy about it but it just wasn't my favorite yeah Yeah. um and and it's a shame because there's so many elements here i like Mm -hmm. what did you like from it outside of uh like you said you like the southern gothic i will i will tell you what i liked i liked the uh is it robert page robert page playing frank stanley the Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of uh shunned lover because she goes and marries al yukard yeah and I like watching that character and as he kind of descends into madness. And uh, I like that. Yeah, I like I, that I thought too. thought that was a really good performance. There's not much where I go, oh, this wasn't very good. It's the narrative problems exactly. I have with it. And then Chaney's performance. And I hate knocking Lon Chaney. He's a he's an icon in oh, horror. And this right. is just not, he just wasn't built for Dracula. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it just feels like a, a man that just kind of. You know, came over. <laughs> it's just that you know, like I said, it, there's no Dracula threat, and I feel like that kind of just makes it, you know, not as enjoyable for me. I have read there was a chance that uh, Lugosi may have come back for this, and my gosh, if they gotten Lugosi back for this, that would have been something. I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a shame that you had this really cool story that had been done, and it didn't blow my mind. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And and like I said, I I remembered liking it a lot more when I was like a kid. Yeah. You know, it's the Al Ucard thing. Because the Al Ucard thing is cool. See, I love that. But like yeah. you said, like why put it, it so it soon? So, yeah, it should have so been soon, yeah. further on. Yeah. Uh what did you think of the uh the Van Helsing characters we have here, Frank Craven, great horror name, Dr. Brewster. And I'm wondering if they named Charlie Brewster from Fright Night. After I was thinking that, the you same were thinking thing. That I was too. I didn't, I didn't find anything on that. And then we have J. Edward Bromberg as Professor Laszlo. I, I really like them. I, I like, do too. I like the whole murder mystery story going on. Again, there's so many things that are like eight, nine out of 10, mm-hmm. but they don't add up to that wham, wow. bam, yeah. where you go, wow. Like, I actually think I prefer Dracula's daughter to some of Dracula because mm-hmm. that film did have some real legit atmosphere yeah, and I creepiness agree. to it. I agree. And this should have been very creepy. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, you're in the swamp, and I feel like it didn't feel swampy and like, you know. I did like that he had his coffin in the swamp. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. <laughs> um, but like I said, the Monster Squad, you can feel the influence of this on the Monster Squad with yeah. uh, them being in the swamp, remember, yep. and, and the Alucard reference mm-hmm. and things like that. But uh it just it just didn't add up for me, yeah. and it's a shame because it, it, it really should is. it should have it should have. Yeah, this is probably my least favorite we've we've watched this month. Yeah, I, th- I would say I would say mine too. And I hate saying that because you know yeah, you know, it's just yeah. a, you, you don't want to say that, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of like saying you know when you listen to Elvis and the Beatles, you know this Elvis track in my favorite. It's like right, ah, you're like oh yeah. I don't want to say it because yeah because <laughs> they're all so good. So this this plays into something I mentioned uh, at the very first sh- uh, show that we did this month. Hammer, for me, it's like the universal kind of iterations, original iterations of these monsters are so iconic and classic. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of just... And then they kind of teeter off with the yeah. sequels. Bride of Frankenstein, notwithstanding, uh, right. which is one of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> of course. But um, Hammer has it on like the, like the franchises. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, the quality starts to diminish a little bit as when you get to parts five and six, it's going to do that, right? Yeah. But they really have it, I think, you know, and there's at least an attempt at some continuity Mm -hmm. in the franchises. Yeah. Because this really doesn't have much to do with Dracula from 1931. Mm -mm. Really doesn't. And that's okay. That's okay. Uh, If you tell me a good story, I I don't care. But yeah. 
But does it like does it does it not like it doesn't even scream Dracula like that's the he doesn't again he doesn't and it's not even just him it's like the whole yeah movie in general just doesn't like he doesn't feel like the other because Mm. Lugosi feels like the other Mm -hmm. and that has to do with Lugosi's delivery and his but but what we talked about Lugosi plays Dracula with no fangs no makeup and is just absolutely terrifying with his with his uh, uh, body language and his in in his uh, just everything he's bringing that performance. This just feels like Lon Chaney showed up and was saying some lines and saying them in a Midwestern accent. Yeah, if we're gonna call him an like the other, if like he's just the other man, like like she's cheating on. You know? Yeah, like she's cheating with him. Yeah, he's the other man, and it's yeah. I hate, like I said, I hate saying it. It's so just not so this this really. It, I think from a special effects standpoint, this is a fine film. And there are a lot of things to recommend in this movie that are really interesting and fun to watch. But Mm -hmm. just as a complete watch, it's probably one of my least favorite of the Universal films, as you said. And probably my least favorite that we've done this month. And and again, it was just I wanted to pair a different Dracula performance with Christopher Lee. Well, see, it's nice to compare and it's nice to have some differences between, you know, of, of, you know thinking everything's wonderful and, we kind of get to see different sides and of when i was when i was watching this the thing that was going through my mind was past the disappointment <laughs> you know was oh, i'm so glad we're doing this with the christopher lee film because right. you can compare you can't just plug anybody in that role no 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 you know and uh it, it just goes to show what a great job christopher lee really did as dracula and I don't, again, if you're a Lon Chaney Jr. fan, I, I don't want to take anything away from him. His legacy is completely intact. That guy oh, yeah. was amazing. We, you really liked him in uh, House of Frankenstein, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I uh, really he was, did. He was wonderful in House of Frankenstein. He's wonderful in The Wolfman. Yeah. And uh, Chaney is a guy, though, who elicits a lot of sympathy from an audience for, mm-hmm. for some reason. Dracula is not that sympathetic no. character. At least, you know, sometimes he can be portrayed as sympathetic, but... Yeah, but overall here no. he's not that sympathetic character, and Cheney elicits a lot of sympathy. And this, he, it was just a bad miscasting, and mm-hmm. and that's it, that's, that's it. it. But again, with some of the narrative structure problems, I don't know even if Bella had been in this, if we'd go, wow, we'd be mesmerized by him. But film, you know, you'd have to be willing to forgive a few things. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I would love to have seen like Christopher Lee in this. I would love to have oh, seen God, them hammer do did this version i don't think they did anything like this yeah that would have been really cool that would have been that would have been amazing been amazing um interesting misfire yeah that's what i'll call it very yeah. very interesting misfire <laughs> yeah it has some it has some good qualities it just you know didn't yeah. hit a home run when you uh when you have a secret like that don't put it in the opening credits no <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't I don't know what that was about. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> and, and don't give away the Al U card there. No. So early. But at least we got the Monster Squad. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe out of this. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, which is a wonderful film. Love We've it. done that on the show. And if you haven't seen the Monster Squad in a while, watch the Monster Squad. It's always a great watch. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we're going to take a very short break. This is a news break. So be sure to stick around for all of the fake news not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We will see you on the other side. Thank you. 
information that was false and fake and never happened. Scientists at the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff have determined that the year 2020 is most like one of those poops that takes a roll and a half of toilet paper to wipe. The hosts of the Late Night Fright concur. Speaking of poop, local inventor and mad scientist Dr. Palladium, creator of the Murderbot, is putting the final touches on his latest creation, Toiletbot. Toiletbot is a fully autonomous robot that doubles as a toilet. Take it with you on long road trips, take it to the movies, take it to bed with you, and never again will you have to get up in the middle of the night to take care of your business. Toilet Bot, coming to stores in 2021. Speaking of poop, Tiny Tito, Cozy Corner's favorite tot, recently got into comedy. Tito pooped in his diaper, looked up at his mother, and said, Look, Mommy, I'm 2020. Faith, I'm getting word that Toilet Bot has become self-aware. In a statement released exclusively to the Late Night Fright, Toilet Bot says, I'm tired of taking your crap. And that is the news. We will see you in 2021. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. Well, Faith, we're wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing month. It's really sad. It really it really <laughs> is. We've watched some really great films. We have. Uh, starring these two gentlemen. Let me ask this question as we wrap this up. Do you think they might be the best duo in horror film history? I would say so. Their names are always mentioned together, and I think rightfully so. I feel like, you know, I've learned over this month, not only do I love these two as actors, but as just people in general, I've really grown to really appreciate them and love them. Absolutely. Yeah. And Faith says we should just turn this into a hammer horror podcast. I think we should. (laughs) I told her that's crazy. We should just turn it into a Peter Cushing, Christopher (laughs) Lee podcast. Might as well. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. So... That's it. Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee Month is done. We hope that you have enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you think about it at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram at late night fright podcast and Faith is on the gram at I'm a normal alien. That's it for 2020 it's with the late night fright. <laughs> 2021 is soon upon us. A new month, a new year. Ooh. We've enjoyed doing the double features, and we're going to continue doing double features, at least for the month of January. We're going to be pitting films against each other, uh, thematically similar, to see which one we feel does its job better, Mm -hmm. as it is. So, for our first episode of 2021, and our first uh, in this series that we're doing, we have two sequels from 1989. Not only are they two sequels from 1989, both of them are part five. And two of the most hollowed franchises in horror history. First up, we have Robert England wearing the red and green sweater in A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. And Faith, 
Mm-hmm. We have Donald Pleasance in a little film I know you enjoy. Mm-hmm. What's our other film? Halloween 5. Is it The Revenge of Revenge Michael Myers? Of I always Michael get them Myers. mixed up. That's a good one. It's going to be a lot of fun. So yes, we're going to be is. scoring these films and we're going to you know, have a little system and just to see which one we feel Did does job, a better best. job of being uh, in its franchise and yeah. as a movie and as a sequel. So we're going to have fun. a lot of fun with it. So yeah. there you go. Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. It's going to be cool. To wherever, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing are, thank you gentlemen so much for the wonderful memories and the oh, wonderful absolutely. films that you left us. I got two Peter Cushing biographies for Christmas. I'm looking forward to getting in on this. Awesome. Happy holidays to all of you. Have a very safe and happy new year. 2021 is just around the corner. It's going to be wonderful. I just have a feeling. I have a feeling too. I can't wait. And we'd love to hear from you. As I said, late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Late night fright podcast on Instagram. I'm a normal alien on Instagram. Does it feel like it's that time? I think it does. Should we we snap snap our our fingers? fingers, (laughs) Will the magic happen on one, two, three. There it is. Time to say goodbye. Last show of 2020. What a year it has been. I know. Are you ready for 2021 like me? I am ready for 2021. (laughs) All of you out there, happy new year. We hope it's happy and safe and we hope that you're healthy because we'd like for all of you to come back. Yes, absolutely. Bring 500 of your closest friends. (laughs) So Elm Street 5, Halloween 5 next week. You have your homework. Yes, you do. There will be a test. Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We'll see you in 2021.